color that lured people inland, and its main attraction was its beaches. Surfing, swimming, sunbathing, and beachcombing drew visitors from May on, supplemented by shopping and what the brochures called fine dining. Clara rolled her windows down as she drove back up Main Street. She'd longed to feel the salt wind on her face, and if the beach was in too sulky a mood to comply, she'd have to take matters into her own hands. Doing so helped to alleviate the melancholy mood that her disappointing first sight of the ocean had put her in. She could smell Rick's Pizza as she drove past, where all the locals knew you could get the best slice in town, in spite of its divish storefront, and shouts and laughter drifted to her from the amusement park as she rounded the corner nearby. Her parents' summer house was on the outskirts of town, in a seaside neighborhood where all the streets were named things like Sandy Lane and Starfish Way. It was practically deserted now, as most of the summer people had gone back to their cities and suburbs. For every six or seven houses Clara passed, only one driveway had a car in it. Her parents' summer house was one of the farthest from the beach, up on an elevated point of land where real estate was highly sought after, in spite of the fact that it wasn't in walking distance of downtown. What it lacked in proximity, it made up in view, and as Clara's car climbed Humpback Boulevard toward the point, she remembered why. Even a gray ocean looked picturesque from this vantage point. It stretched out from the headland's rocky skirts as far as the eye could see, patterned with darker ripples that broke up the monotony. From up here, Clara could spot flocks of floating seabirds, black specks against the gray backdrop of the water. When she parked her car in the summer house's driveway and got out, the wind whistled past her ears even more loudly than it had in the car with the windows rolled down. It ruffled her short, red-blonde hair, causing an ensuing juggle of her purse, coffee, and keys in an effort to free a hand and push it out of her eyes. Clara gazed up at the house, trying to be not too disappointed if it didn't match her apparently idealized childhood recollections. She didn't have anything to worry about. It was the same old house, two stories of gray-blue wood siding with a darker shingled roof and white shutters. The windows were dark and she didn't recognize the curtains, but the door was painted the same brick red and the little lawn that stretched around from the door to the sea-facing front of the house still looked like the one where she'd performed many a cartwheel. When she unlocked the door, the house was eerily silent, not because she'd expected anyone to be there, but because it had always been so full of noise every other time she'd been there. It felt like an empty husk. There was a note on the counter, at least. Clara's parents had been there on their way to Florida. They'd made the decision to move down south a few months ago, and Clara's sudden unemployment was just a coincidence, an excuse to offer her a place to stay. They needed somebody to watch the house, they'd assured her, and hiring a caretaker would be a waste of money when Clara was so conveniently available. They didn't mention what Clara already knew. Plenty of their year-round Wavestead friends could have occasionally looked in on the house for free. She hadn't argued. With no job and nothing to keep her in her former town, she was glad for a change of scenery. The note was several pages long and explained various mundane things like where the fuse box was, 
the number of the local handyman, and who to call to get the furnace cleaned. The house hadn't been used in winter very often, but the previous owners had lived there year-round, so it was perfectly habitable in the colder months. Clara busied herself checking the things listed in the note and re-familiarizing herself with the house. She remembered with amusement how proud she'd been that she could reach above the wide lintel of the front door, where they kept the spare key, and her mother couldn't. Clara was graced with a boyish silhouette that puberty had done nothing to alter. In spite of her mother's constant assertions that she'd start to fill out her shirts eventually, Clara was content that, well into her thirties, such a thing was now unlikely. Considering that her wardrobe consisted mostly of jeans and long-sleeved t-shirts, with the occasional button-down marking her most formal attire, she thought her natural shape suited her just fine.